Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Hello, this is David Temple and welcome to another edition of The Thriller Zone, episode 22 to be exact, where my special guest is Sean O'Rourke a cyber liability consultant in New York City. Sean is also a close friend and an avid thriller movie lover. It's one of the reasons I asked him to join me to launch a new part of our show where we discuss the best thriller TV shows and, in today's case, movies in the world. Yes, we're taking a slight detour today by having someone on who isn't a thriller writer, but as I mentioned, we will be talking about our top 10 favorite thriller films. More on that in a bit. Today's talk is about cybersecurity and the perils that await companies as well as you and me. And it's going to be great for writers and our research. Oh, and I wanted to share a quick thank you before we get started to all our friends joining the show. According to our latest data, we have friends literally listening all over the world. In fact, would you do me a quick favor and just drop me a note to let me know what city and state or even country where you hear us? Do that and I'll give a shout out on our next show. Our email is thethrillerzone at gmail.com. Okay, let's get to it. Time to jump into The Thriller Zone. Sean, welcome to The Thriller Zone. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. God, I'm so excited. I've been thinking about this. Go ahead. I was about to say, you were about to say, I've been thinking about this. I've got list that goes on and on and on i finally stopped at like a hundred movies and then did my own thing to uh to sort of bring some sanity back to the process this is a good this is one of those things about my good buddy sean o'rourke is that this guy is prepared always prepared he's always going to be five minutes early if you ask for 10 he's going to give you 30 and he's going (laughs) to That might be a bad thing. And he's got four alternates of everything. And uh, you're just, Sean's one of the coolest cats I've ever known. And let's, as a little bit of backstory, for those who never saw the other podcast, Naked Monday. Right. What has it been, 24 years? Uh, 25, 96. No, yes, 96. Oh, was it 96? 96. Oh, that's right. I got bumped from the radio show in New York mid-year, came there late 96. Yeah, 25, quarter of a century. Yes, it is, sir. Cheers. I, w- I won't even tell you. Yeah, it's, uh, we can now count our, uh, our friendship in decades. Wow. Yeah. That's a, it's a great testament to uh, two guys who met on a show at QVC. Everybody knows who that is. I was a, a host and he, uh, Sean was a writer and writer, writer, producer, writer, writer. Yeah. Whatever. I have yeah. no idea what my title was okay. back then. Bottom but, line is. Uh, but it was Q2 because I don't want, I don't want QVC coming after us to say, Hey, things aren't scripted here. It was Q2. So. Yeah. QVC uh, came up with this idea to do a Q2, which was a baby of QVC, an offshoot. It was kind of like CNN headline news of QVC, right? That's right. That's exactly why they pitched it to us. So we would do, I was the host, and I would do highlights of 
the show. They would compress, you know, hours of the show into, it was a really interesting, how long did that last? Oh, that iteration of it? I don't know, uh, maybe a year. I mean, I didn't last a year there before they kicked me out. Um, I didn't last a year. Yeah. I, what I remember distinctly about that whole thing is getting you packed up to move from Devon to uh, you were going back to North Carolina at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to, I was packing it in. Boy, life took a turn after. Well, that. I was about to say you, you took a turn West and then all, all, you know, yeah. 25 years later, look where you are. Yeah. Well, probably the happiest I've ever been. Not doing. Sir. Yeah. Certainly. I hope so. Yeah. Thanks to young Tammy. I was about to say. Yeah. A little plug to my wife. She's in case anybody who stalks us on social media doesn't know that I friggin' adore my wife and she's probably the best. She is the single best thing ever happened to me. Um, mm -hmm. There you have it. Yeah. One of the reasons why I was pushed to the conference room to do this episode is because my wife, who's the single best Second best thing to happen to me, I think conception was probably the best thing to happen to me, um, <laughs> was uh, uh, she is giving in the middle of a deposition. Uh, oh. And so she's she does expert witness work as one of her many trades. And uh, right now she is she's being deposed by opposing counsel. Wow. So I'm not allowed in the office. Sounds so like I'm great in the conference fun. room. Yeah. Better her than me. Well, today's show is about our top 10 thriller movies. However, we're going to push that aside for a second because I want to talk about um, Combs & Company, the company that you work for, because Sean right. is a financial and cyber liability guru for a company called Combs & Company Insurance Company in New York City, Midtown Manhattan. And um, that, yeah, first of all, tell us about what your kind of gig is and a Number one, number two, specific, specifically as it relates to the world of cybersecurity today and how we as writers can take your knowledge and go, oh, I hadn't thought about that. I, I need to use that as research for my next novel. Mm -hmm. uh, loaded question. So, well, first of all, I'm, my primary role is as a cyber liability consultant. And okay. basically that means I prepare companies to be hacked because I spent... 20 plus years after QVC, immediately after QVC, I got into technology and um, trying to keep the bad guys out. And there's just no way to do that. So I now consult with companies on how to prepare themselves for the eventuality of having a cyber incident. And one of the tools that I use is insurance, cyber insurance. So that's why I joined my wife's brokerage firm. Oh, that's no. awesome. So you said that with the tone of it is not a matter of if, but when a particular oh, company is going to. Yep. You keep a machine plugged in long enough, it will be compromised at some point. So it's going to happen to us all. Why is that? Is it, it uh, do our bad guys just <clears throat> bored? Uh, is it the fact that there's so much money to be made off of information? Right yeah. Money. That's all. I mean, it's so about 10 years ago, I referred to the hacking as disorganized, organized crime. And now it is strictly organized crime. Um, it, whether it's done by a criminal element or a nation state, a country backing the criminal element, 
very much so <clears throat> in countries like Russia and North Korea, the state gives their blessing to pretty much all cyber criminal activities. And China's a little bit different. China conducts criminal activities uh, on behalf of the state, but what they are looking for is what you refer to as information. They, uh, they were behind, or you know, so far as we know, they were behind the Starwood hack, which tracked where everybody was staying globally for, for decades. Um, they were behind the hack of the federal employee database here in the United States. Uh, they, I mean, the list goes on and on and what they're trying to build is a database of, David, you're of interest to me because you might be, I might be able to leverage you for something. So let me see if I can track and find some dirt on you. Uh, and uh, Russia and North Korea do it for money for the most part. Um, and they're very successful at it because it's virtually impossible to, to prosecute and unless you get the assistance of the government, which you won't. Um, but uh, there, is, there is a lot of money in it. I mean, one of the Verizon studies, and again, take these numbers for what they are, their estimates and what have you, but they think by 2025, which is not that far away, um, cyber losses for companies and whatnot will hit the trillions in a single year. What? Yeah. So um, the numbers are so big. And by the way, I don't want anybody to construe this as the United States is an innocent bystander in all this. We are, we are just as active, maybe not on the criminal element side, because it's much harder to be that here in the United States with the law enforcement focus but on as a nation state hacker looking to gain access to information to know what's going on in the world to leverage people to either spy for us provide us information or what have you we are not innocent bystanders at all and we do it to our own people all the time i mean snowden snowden just you know made obvious or confirmed what everybody suspected and nothing's changed so I want to touch on one of the biggest ones that's hit uh, the mainstream consciousness here in a quick second, but I want to go back to Starwood. You made a comment about how information was hacked stating that they would follow whoever would stay in the Starwood chain of hotels, right? So what kind of, what good does that information do? That's the first thing that popped into my head. Well, think about it from China's perspective. If you're trying to keep tabs, tabs on the, the party members, and other citizens of your country uh, to try to figure out what they may be doing on the sly. Because as, as much as China's or surveillance state, it's virtually impossible to keep tabs on 1.5 billion people uh, 24-7. So what you do is, is that you try to find historical elements. Uh, and by the way, this is just me thinking out loud. And I've thought about why they would steal it, but this makes practical sense. So what do you do? A party member may want to secretly go off and has a side deal in, in Dubai, let's say, but that party member still wants its Starwood reward points. So they're going to use their Starwood card or their real name at the Starwood hotel. 
And so when China steals all that information, they can find that this party member was in Dubai and never told anybody that they were going to Dubai. So why were you in Dubai? Wow. Well, then, then you just start. Then that's where artificial intelligence will, will end up helping countries like us, China, Russia, and whoever else wants to get into the game. You just start feeding that information into artificial intelligence. If you've built that artificial intelligence properly, um, and you can start to create what you would see in movies. We're going to talk about thrillers. Yep. What you would see in movies where you're taking strings and you're connecting events or the dots or what have you. Well, you're going to do this digitally. And it's much easier because you let a machine just run. And in a few hours, uh, they'll have a pattern set up that it would have taken you years to establish in, uh, in a traditional you know, thread and uh, pushpin. I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in any of this. So that is your job. I, but. I am I am maybe this much of an expert in there. There's just so much. You can only be an expert in so much. Okay, then I'm, I'm that much of an expert. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Here's my question. When the colonial pipeline thing hit, uh, I, I want to assume, I, I'm going to safely say that for a large percentage of Americans, they went holy shit, what, what, what was that? Because it affected uh, such a broad spectrum of people. How does something that size happen? And is that a silly question? In, in other words, could that happen to just any situation? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I bet you that hack was fairly simple, fairly straight ahead. Um, uh, the fact that Colonial had to pay $5.3 million in a ransom leads me to believe that their IT setup was fairly precarious. Um, and not only were they looking to recover quicker, uh, but the, um, the, if, if they said no to the ransom, well, then they may have never recovered. All you have to do is look at uh, cities like Baltimore and Atlanta, which are still trying to recover from years, years ago attacks. Um, because their IT is just, it's not set up to, to be able to recover quickly from a cyber event. So um, I, the Colonial Pipeline wasn't a surprise that it happened. What was a surprise to me was the aftermath. Uh -huh. So it became, it became a big public to do because it disrupted a natural resource that millions of Americans needed. And then that disruption was going to lead to higher prices at the pump. Well, immediately, uh, it's very difficult to hide your tracks entirely if you pull off something like that, especially with a ransom of $5.3 million. Okay. So they immediately traced it back to a hacking organization in Eastern Europe. Well, that hacking organization has significant ties with Russia. Um, and... So what happened subsequently is that the United States very quickly identified who they were blaming for this hack and who got the money. Uh, Russia denied it. But what happened was is that the hacking group sent an apology letter within, I think, a week um, saying they did not mean to disrupt the flow and they apologized and what have you. They, the FBI claims they recovered half of the ransom that was paid, they didn't recover it. That, that organization basically gave it back. 
And then that organization disbanded. Uh, and again, to my way of thinking, what happened is Putin or one of his consigliaries got on the phone with the group, said, hey, you crossed the line that is putting too much heat on everybody. Here's what you're going to do. And it, Russia was not going to give all the money back because Russia probably got paid a fairly sizable portion of that, but they gave some of the money back. The letter, I don't know, they were probably thinking in Western culture, we'll just send a letter and, and apologize. That's what everybody does on TV when they do something wrong. Yeah. Um, and then they disbanded it simply because they'll just reorganize as some other uh, hacker group down the road. So that's my way of thinking. It's It sounds conspiratorial, but again, if you put the, the reports together, you sort of connect the dots. Um, it kind of makes sense what happened. A lot of it is PR. A lot of it is, is um, you know, you're just trying to track who's, who's in the game now. Sure. Um, and this is a global industry now. So now all of a sudden, uh, if you're going to hit a trillion dollars or $2 trillion in losses, you got to do something to stem that tide at some point. All right. I want to make this, <clears throat> that was excellent, by the way, Sean, that was, thank uh, you very much. Yeah. You thank enlightened you. me, but he, here's what I want to do. I want to bring it into the nomenclature of everyday Joe Two two part here. Um, passwords. The other day I was trying to get into one of my services online and my wife heard me cursing a streak because I couldn't remember the password because I had changed it or the company that used me uh, provided the service said, hey, it's been 30 days, let's change it again. And so all of a sudden I'm changing, changing, and I'm trying to remember all these passwords and I'm like, I'm just not happy. And I'm like, I get tired of all these passwords and you want to go I'm just going to have one generic password. So no. Part, yeah, right. Well, first of all, we we all know the one, two, three, four, five, whatever. That's that's yes. friggin' ludicrous. Right. Uh, second, so beyond that, give me just as an inside scoop, like the stupidest thing to do, and on, on the counter side of that, what's the smartest thing your average bear can do as it pertains to passwords for any of their services online? Uh, you get a password manager. Uh, LastPass, you can get it through something like NordVPN. If you have a VPN on your, your machine, mm -hmm. Nord will also give you their NordPass. Password managers allow you to put all your, your usernames and passwords into a centralized, secure database that has one master password to lock it. Uh, and that's the only password that you have to really remember. And, that, and I actually use that very service. It's funny you should pull that one. However, yeah. this is one thing. Maybe you can help me learn this real quick. Um, you got the one master password. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I can remember one. And then supposedly... By the way, you should not be able to remember that password. It should be a tough password that you have to have secretly hidden somewhere when you have to enter it. Um, Oops. It should be a pretty significant password for that one. It is relatively significant. I'm going to okay. change it today and make it even more significant. Okay. okay, but you can make it something that you can remember, but it should be significant in length. It's, it's significant, and it's like it's 15, 20 characters. Yeah, that's fine. As long as it's in the upper teens to yeah. low 20s, I'm good with that. All right, but explain this to me. Sometimes you'll go to sign in, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I need this piece of insight, and you can help me. 
you'll go to sign in and it'll go, oh, would you like me to auto, uh, auto, no. you know, save it? No, never. All right. Well, here's what my point is. A lot of times it'll save uh, like six of the same place and you'll go click. Yeah, use that one. And then it'll go er, and you go to the next one. Er. So I, I need to figure out how to go in there and erase the former ones. Yes, yeah, so it's in your browser. Okay. I don't know what browser you use and what version you have. But if you go into settings, you can clear out all that saved information from the browser and then you. set it to never save it. Thank you. You never. never want to save a username or a password on your browser because a browser is fairly easy to compromise. Um, Folks, did you hear that? Do not save on your And browser. more importantly, you should never have a duplicate password for anything. I don't care how many I have between my various corporate roles because uh, I'm still connected to my old IT firm. Um, and I still do some uh, consulting work for them. Uh, I'm Sizzle with Combs and Company. There you go. Thank you very much. I co-founded that company too. But yeah, you did. Got out of the uh, the IT business. Um, and my personal, I have more than three hundred and thirty usernames and passwords, um, and not a single one of them is the same. Wow. Not a single one is the same. Usernames may be the same, especially yep. if they only ask for your email address. Got it. But not a single password is the same. All right. So that is a great explanation. Great insight uh, as far as our own personal security. Now let's make it relevant for a writer since we talk to mm -hmm. thriller writers and readers. How can a thriller writer use this wealth of information when they go to create their next WIP? Make it a make it a white hat hacker, make it somebody who does it for like a pen tester, penetration tester. What's a white whatever. hat hack so, hacker? It's an easy way for the public to identify the good, the nebulous and the bad. Okay. So white hat hacking, gray hat hackers and black hat hackers black hats are the bad guys white hats are the authorized good guys okay gray hats again this is just nomenclature you talk to a hacker they're not going to agree on certain things this is just the way the general public has learned these terms to a certain extent gray hat in my definition are those who are hacking for good but don't have permission to do so Basically, they're trying to demonstrate, usually to larger companies and what have you, that, hey, your app, your website, your, your software is not secure, and uh, here I just proved it. But you didn't have permission. I, I didn't have permission. I wasn't hired to do it. This is not what's called a bug bounty. So you basically, you're, if you find a flaw, you get paid. It's not part of a bug bounty program and whatnot. Uh, these are people who hack for good to expose flaws, but they don't have permission. Got it. Um, talking to hackers is the best way because I am not a hacker. I'm really more on the implications of technology when it comes and, and events when it comes to the business side of the house. My two co-founders in Syzygy 3, they were the technologists, but even then we focused on infrastructure. We didn't focus on apps or hacking or, what, uh, or whatnot. 
So find penetration testers, find those who, who, who go after bug bounty programs, because there's a lot of money now if you can find flaws in softwares or apps and what have you, and there are people who do that for a living, uh, talk to them. Because I'll tell you what, the, the, closest, the closest one to the reality of way hacking work, but even then they had to truncate it to make it more um, intense or thrillerish uh -huh. um, was Mr. Robot. So Mr. Robot, you saw a yes. black screen and yeah. what's called command prompts and he was constantly typing and what have you. Well, yeah. command prompts move fast, but when you're connecting to a server and whatnot, you're doing so, it doesn't move as fast as the show showed it. And they, they skipped a lot of steps that you hackers usually take and automate. That's the other thing. Hackers automate a lot of stuff and just let it run until they find something of interest. Um, but the best thing to do would be to talk to, if you're looking for hacking per se, is talk to these people who do it for a living. Okay. Um, if you can find the black hats, you can talk to them, but they, while they like to talk and brag, they also they, don't want to be known. Right. Yeah. It would ruin their business. Yeah. You just mentioned something that made me think uh, something great. Uh, how do you think that cyber and we'll use that as a just to catch yeah. all is portrayed in popular media, movie, uh, books, TV, so forth. Terribly. <laughs> I never would have guessed that. Yeah. First Why of all, that? every time you see here, we trace the IP address. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Sorry. It, ju it just doesn't. Um, every time that they traced a, a, so in New York city, when you get on the subway, you have to use a Metro card or your phone. You usually buy a Metro card with cash or, or um, a credit card. Every time they track the Metro card within seconds, it doesn't work that way. Um, it, oh. You know, it's just, it's, again, it's, they have, an, they have 42 minutes to tell a story. So they just got to move it along. So they, gotcha. they take licenses. Where I really have a problem are movies or TV shows that are supposed to be built around technology. What used to drive me nuts despite how good the show was, was 24. Oh God. Yes. Oh, it would, <laughs> especially when they were talking on cell phones and subterranean tunnels and layers and what have you. I don't care if you were the government or what have you, you have no connectivity down there. Pet Sorry. peeve alert, pet peeve alert, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, it would drive me bonkers. And it, so Susan, my wife, yeah, she doesn't like watching shows sometimes with me. Because I, I try not to say it out loud. I try just to mouth it. Uh, but but it's not the way it works. And so, You're one of those uh, guys. You're talking yeah. to the screen. Books are easier to get it right because you have more room. You have more runway to, to build up. Hey, look, this is actually kind of boring. Hacking's kind of boring until you get in. The real process is the cleverness that some people take to to get inside a system. It, it's not on the keyboard, it's them doing research on Facebook or on Instagram or what have you and finding, oh, Dave works for that company and Dave's all over social media. Dave looks like a drinker, which you're not, but right. uh, Dave looks like a drinker and he's in sales. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. I wanna get into that company because I think they would pay me if I locked their systems. Oh, So, 
I'm going to target Dave with a phishing scam. And I'm going to try this way first. Let's see if we get him. And they'll just, they'll automate. They'll send Dave like an email a day or every other day. And they'll start to refine it because they'll find out, oh, he deleted it right away or he looked at it for a bit or he opened it but didn't do anything. And then one day, Dave's going to get an email. He's going to click on the link. And in a millisecond, game over. Nothing's going to happen. He's going to go to a website, but the website won't load. And Dave will think, oh, well, you know, the website's broken. So maybe they'll send Maybe they'll correct it. But in the background... I've already installed malware on Dave's machine. Dave's machine is networked to a thousand other machines across the company. So in a matter of a few hours, I'm gonna have a very small piece of code on every one of those machines that antivirus and anti-malware scans are not gonna identify uh, for a bit. That's- and then I'm just gonna sit there for a month and I'm just going to collect data. I'm going to see what they do. I'm going to see who their clients are. I'm going to see how they, they transact business or whatnot. They do research. Dude, if that doesn't make you nervous, I don't know what does. That's why I'm ready to throw it all in the river and go back to pen and paper. Best piece of advice is never click on any link that comes never. to you that you no, have no nothing. idea where it's coming from. Doesn't matter even if you do know where it's where it's originated. Really? Just go just go to the website directly. Don't click on the link. Got it. If you can avoid it, there's some yeah. things you can't you have to click on, so you have to make sure. Does yeah. the same hold true for these things for the cell phones? Oh, absolutely. Because I keep getting all these texts uh, from yes. nobody I know. Hey, lose yeah. weight, and and I'm like, yeah. I'm not clicking that thing. Yeah, I mean, they're even worse. The only the only good thing is that is that they're usually not networked. Yeah. But you end up keeping so much stuff on there anyway. They'll they'll pilfer your life and lock you out of it. I mean, oh. that's my big fear. Just enough on on me, Susan my parents or what have you, and they lock them out of their lives and and then end up just oh stealing it. You can steal everything. Dude, you can steal. If you want to watch, usually I don't get real nervous about these, these cyber shows and documentary because they're so far after the fact. Right. Nothing new is really coming out. They're trying to make it. It's more for the general public, but there is one on FX. There's New York Times Presents. And they did an episode about the teenagers, teenagers who hacked Twitter and ended up posting all those, actually got into Twitter's administrative account and started posting all those, send me a thousand Bitcoin, I'll send you 2000 Bitcoin back. And it's from verified accounts like uh, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Barack Obama, so on and so forth. And a lot of people fell for it. These are two teenagers. One was 17. One was 15. And because he was so young, he wasn't prosecuted. But I think the government got him doing other stuff for them. Um, That made me nervous because what they could have done was extraordinary damage. They could have done just unfathomable damage by just posting nuclear bomb goes off in eastern Russia or nuclear bomb goes on off in in province in western province of china um 
or they post yeah. rumors about a stock or about a CEO. And the way people respond to social media before they even check it out or verify it. Holy but, moly, dude. See, this goes back yeah. to an earlier comment that you made. And I, I feel the same way. I've gotten to the point where there is there are days that I go, man, I, I, am, I am toast. I am burnt. I am crispy on social media, emails, and all yeah. the stuff that's coming in. Everyone trying to just get at me. I'm like, there are days that I just want to go, can I shut it all down and pull out a pen and paper and just stick to what I do, which is trying to write stories. Yep. Well, we are on with Sean O'Rourke. He's a Batman fan. I call him my superhero of Gotham because he is the protector of all things cyber in New York Thank City you very much. and the universe. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about what uh, the whole show is about today, which is a slight departure of what we're ordinarily doing. We're talking about thriller movies, so don't mm -hmm. go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. And we are back with Sean O'Rourke, cyber liability expert, but also, even more than that, a thriller movie aficionado. Sure, I'll take that. Yeah. I did, that. I did a little lilt on the end, but mm. I think I think it works. <laughs> the fact that I had to cut my list off at 100, you know, at least I've watched a whole boatload. Yeah. Tammy and I had this conversation about, she said, honey, how are you going to come up with 10? I'm like, look, okay, let me, let me do this for you. Cause I'm going to do it for the audience. These are not the top 10 thriller films of all time. These are not the top 10 thriller films of this week in our head. Uh, Sean, you're going to agree with me on this. Mm -hmm. It's the top 10 that are coming to my mind over the past, we've been talking about this for about 30, 40 days, I suppose. Yeah. Kind of like, kind of just simmering on the back burner. Like, what are the movies that really impact me as thrillers that I really love? And here's a great key. Something that you'll go back and slide a DVD in if you've got one and watch it over again. Or all of a sudden, it's a Sunday afternoon and it's raining outside and you're feeling like a slug and something that comes across the channel and you're like, I'm going to sit down and watch that because that's one yeah. of my favorite movies, right? Yep. So it's the top 10 at the moment. Moment. That that's we how I went. Yeah. At the moment that we really like. Now, I did find this because I wanted to be very specific because I'm that kind of guy. Thriller is a, has, has quite a bit of specificity to it, meaning uh, you, can go, you can go Google thrillers and it's going to give you a certain amount. There are a lot of crime dramas that I'm still referring to as thrillers. And if you drill down on it, your average bear will go, well, that's a thriller. So mm -hmm. it can be a mystery, it can be a crime drama, but it's, you know, it's got to have that thrilling, what's gonna happen next, right? right. Well, so you know how neurotic I get about these lists because that's what happened on, on the last episode we yeah. did on your uh, Naked Monday channel. Yeah. So I had to make some rules once I, I the rabbit hole got too deep. All right. So I'm going to shoot to the, you, you can share with me some of your rules if you want okay, to before we I get will. going. But I'm going to say this. These are our top 10. Now, because like in Spinal Tap, you can take it to 11. Mm -hmm. I am going to allow both of us one runner up. That would be that one movie that we went, okay, I, I couldn't squeeze it into the top 10, but it's kind of that one that if I could make it 11, 
I would I would add that to the back end. So that's going to be basically the runner. Okay. Okay. Fair so enough. The, and and just as a little piece of spice, I have chosen four of my ten that include a little bit of audio from the movie, and I'm going to play a tiny little piece of audio that just uh, you're. They're so well known, I think, that you're going to get it right away. And because you're my guest, Sean, you start with number 10. Oh, by the way, as okay. we're going to go 10 to 1, yes, theoretically, uh, 1 will be our favorite. But as we learned in our last conversation, um, you know, these are our, the, we love all of these 10 almost equally, but it's like trying to choose your favorite child. So we're going to just say, I was the favorite. Well, of course you were. Um, Loosely speaking, it'll be t 10 to 1 so that you'll go. Because my, my number one happens to be like one of those all-time thriller movies that I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. So my two rules. One, none of these movies are on my top 10 movies of all time that we did on Naked Monday. You do realize that won't matter to the audience who never caught Naked Monday, right? That's okay. Number two, I broke this up into five categories of oh thriller. God. And I took two movies for each category. Are you telling I, I, me you have 20? No, 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 no. Oh. Five categories, two okay. movies for each category. So that's 10. Oh, 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 got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. And so when I give you the list, I'm going to take one from each category uh -huh. and then go back and do the second one from each category. So, Folks, are you seeing the kind of friend I have? Yeah, yeah. I should not be doing episodes with lists because it's just not good. Not good. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. So number all 10. That, yeah. All of that aside, here comes number, I, I, I'll insert a drum roll later. And of course I will okay. have all the uh, movies listed below, but number 10 for Sean okay. is. This comes from my horror thriller category. Okay. And I had, I, I seriously wrote two movies and I would decide on the movie at this very moment because they're from the same director slash writer. And I'm going with my first one, which is John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, yes. I thought when it first came out that, oh, how could you do that? It's going to be terrible. I went and saw it and I was in the fetal position for months. And the you have to be older to appreciate the very end of the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, with Kurt Russell and uh, Keith David uh, are sitting there after sort of it's all done. And it's and the scene where he's got them all tied up and testing the blood. I mean, it is there. There's no such thing as a non thrill moment yes. in that movie. That is an exceptional choice. It does does roll over into the sci fi fi-ish category almost it leans it's leaning against the wall of sci-fi but it's but still a thriller but it it's still, a, still thriller. a thriller all right <clears throat> excellent the thing okay um i don't want to take time to write all these down so you'll shoot me i'll, the I'll list send them to you okay cool. i'll send them all right my number 10 i think everyone is gonna everyone will remember anyone walking the well according to how yeah. your age. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is the one that got me started. This is one of those seminal movies that I saw and my jaw dropped and I couldn't believe it. And uh, every single solitary time I watch it, it still affects me. It's got great actors playing multidimensional characters. And of course, the perfect scene where we can get all of the scared out of us you're going to re remember when you hear this small sound bite
You're gonna need a bigger boat. <laughs> Jaws. And, and one of the most misquoted lines. Yeah, it's you're gonna need, you're a, gonna bigger need a bigger boat. Yeah. Right. Everyone thinks it's we're gonna need a bigger boat, right? Mm-hmm. Excellent 19, choice. Dude, 1975. Yeah. And it still works and it still thrills and it's still And everybody when something feels ominous, everybody is playing that music in their head. Okay, category number two is the sort of spy political thriller. Um, and my first one on this is actually one of my favorite from the 1970s. Right. And it's Three Days of the Condor with Robert Redford and Faye Dunaway. Uh, and it is, again, there's all sorts of 70s sort of thriller uh, movies like this, mm -hmm. uh, simply because of Watergate and what have you. Mm -hmm. But um, this is one of my my all time favorites. Exceptional choice. Yeah. My number nine. But this is a, another multi layered, head twisting, star studded thriller, starring several legends. Here we go. That hurt. Uh huh. No, I should think it would. Should take better care of your teeth. Do you have a, a, a cavity here? Is it safe? It's all close. Is it not remarkable? Mm -hmm. Simple oil of cloves and how amazing the results. Life can be that simple. Relief, discomfort. Now, which of these I next apply? That decision is in your hands. So, take your time. <laughs> is it safe? Is it safe? Marathon oh, man. Excellent choice. It's on my list. Oh, dude. I'm that gonna... is, that scene's uncomfortable. If your palms are not sweating and, a, and your mind is not blown when Sir Lawrence Olivier goes in with the pick into the bad tooth and you know that pain exactly what that feels like, man, oh. Dustin Hoffman just nailed it. Yeah. And and him at the end there where he re repeats, is it safe? Is it not, safe? Not forceful, not just sort of matter of factly, is it safe? Is it safe? And Hoffman's... On, oh, that's such a good scene. Category three is you don't know really what's going on thriller. And there's a lot of moving parts or there's a lot of backstabbing or there's a lot of obfuscation. Yeah, it's easy for me to say. And that's the key for this one. My number eight is the usual suspects. Oh, yes. And completely forgot that one. That. The marketing pitch of who is Kaiser Soze oh. didn't resonate until you actually saw the movie. And then you were like, what the hell just happened? And I could, even though I know the ending and the lines and everything by heart, yeah. I can sit down and watch that movie on a daily basis. And you're pulled if, back in afresh, oh, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that whole cast was just perfect from top to bottom. Exceptional choice. 
My number eight was directed by one of my very favorite directors of all time. And actually, this director shows up a couple of times in my list. That director mm. is David Fincher. Oh, no, don't take one of mine. Son, you've already taken one of mine, but I didn't give it away. So you're going to have to come back around and listen to me. This film is a perfect blend of action, empathy, crime, compassion. And while it features two of the most talented actors in the world today, Daniel, uh, Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara, both managed oh. to disappear into their roles, providing us complex and damaged characters we love to pull for in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Good choice. This has it all. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, you know, we could sit here and say that about a lot of these because these are our favorites, but the, it's, it just, it wins on so many levels. And it's another film that I think, Tammy and I probably, I could call out to her and ask her, but I bet you no less than eight, 10 times. Yeah, easily. Yeah. And I was very disappointed they didn't make the, the final two books. Uh, because the movie didn't do as well as they wanted it to, so they scrapped the the final two. But Rooney Mara was brilliant in that role, uh, and that is no easy role to play. No, she was beyond exceptional in the way that she disappeared, and then when you saw her in follow-up roles thereafter, you're like, who is this person? Oh, right. that's the girl with the dragon tattoo. No, right. it isn't. And then you go back and you look and you the transformation, you're like, what? Right. Yeah. Right. It took guts. She really shaved her eyebrows. So I was, it's like kudos to you. They grow back all day. I'm not going to find out. So my number seven uh -huh. is the sort of serial killer, murder spree, crime thriller, but dark uh, and foreboding. And the, uh, the, um, the fact that it's number seven is fitting because this is seven. Oh my God, yes! Talk about David Fincher. By the way, the darkest David Bowie song in the history of his catalog closes out that movie. Everybody talks about what's in the box right. scene. That's not the scene that got me. First of all, the whole movie is just ridiculously dark. Do not watch it with your children. No, no, um, no, no, no. That is one of the top darkest films of all time. And probably, what does it say about us? One of my favorites. But yes. you know the funny thing is, and I'm going to get yelled at for this, and I love me some Brad Pitt. He's a gorgeous man. He is a great actor, much better later in life. But this, in my opinion, was one of his weaker roles because he his, his his character was so big and so over the top that I felt it was a little bit overdone. And the fact that he's eating in every single scene, which has become one of his trademarks, sure. was a little bit annoying. But all of that with, uh, notwithstanding, it truly is uh, a quintessential movie thriller. Movie. I, and I tend to agree with you, but I think if you look at it, the way that they had Morgan Freeman play his character. Yeah. You needed a 180. Yeah, and you did. That mean Pitt had to go sort of overboard. The antithesis, you're right. Yeah. Okay, good call. So. Excellent. My number seven is directed by, oh, who could it be? Oh, David Fincher. Sorry, but this is one of those movies that you can see time and time and time again. And I would beg you to differ, beg to differ that you said that you couldn't pick up something new every single time. This is one of those films that made me want to be a filmmaker. And David Fincher 
is probably one of those guys that I'm like, if I could direct like any director, he and I only had a list of three. He's number one of three, and that's mm-hmm. how much I dig this guy. Uh, it's also an all-star cast, delivers intrigue without being over the top. The characters are complex. The story is both timeless and, well, until recently, perhaps, I think, unsolved, and that's Zodiac. Good movie. From the first frame of that car rolling down the street, you know mm-hmm. it's a David Fincher film. And yeah. he has this way to create environment and feel and tension with the smallest of uh, tricks, right? Just exceptional. And for my money, it's uh-huh. the restart. It's the renaissance of Robert Downey Jr. Yes, yes. Excellent call. So let's okay. move on to number six for six. Sean. So this is the action adventure thriller. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites from the 90s. Susan gets annoyed with me because every time it's on, I stop and I at least check it out. Oh, I know what it is. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, it's a man's name. No. Oh, okay. No. Keep going. Speed, baby. Uh, really? Yes. I Keanu love, Reeves? love that movie. Wow, now that's and, the first surprise in the 10. But you know, more than Keanu, I've always been a Keanu fan, but I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's neither here nor there, not necessarily for his acting per se. Right. What makes that movie is Sandra Bullock. Oh, yeah. She yeah, yeah, makes yeah. that movie. Yeah. Uh, and, and as well as the action and, and whatnot. She makes that movie. Okay. I probably personally wouldn't have put it on, but you know what I do? I do. What I do love about that is they never took their foot off the gas. <laughs> Congratulations on the pun of Thank a lifetime. You. Thank you. I had to do that. My number six, I'm not going to, you're just going to have to hold your comments because uh, you're going to want to say something right away. It involves one, two, three, four exceptional timeless actors the star is my one of my favorites directed by Sidney Pollack oh he went on to do a number of movies with this primary character in it section 9 department 17 the section's been hit what level what level level of damage everybody dr lap janice ray harold harold was in the uh uh we want a company line no, no, I'm in a phone booth. I'm, I'm just a block away. I'm in the street. You're in violation of secure communication procedures, Condor. Listen, you son of a bitch. I'm telling you, I came back with lunch and it was raining and the whole house was murdered. Everybody is dead. Yeah, when you mentioned this in one of your uh, previous choices, I, I did not want to uh, steal any of your thunder. But yeah, Three Days of the Condor starring Robert Redford is one of those movies. It's as classic as it gets. Yeah straight ahead mainstream thriller with still a little thread of romance through it. Um, and Max von Sydow as the mm-hmm. killer, but the killer with a taste of empathy, especially at the end with Robert Redford, the yeah. way they do that conversation outside the house is just, you hang on his every word, but right. yeah, look, at, look at us. We have simpatico and Robert Redford. Again, he Sidney Pollack went on to direct Redford in This Property is Condemned with Natalie Wood, Jeremiah Johnson, The Way We Were, The Electric Horseman, Out of Africa, and Havana, which was Redford's last with Sidney. Number five is the sort of dystopian future thriller, and it's 12 Monkeys. Oh! So... 
dude, that's a good. Call. I think it's. I think it's. You know, Bruce Willis at one of his best. Uh, Madeline Stowe's in there. Um, I mean, Twelve Monkeys again. I think it's Brad Pitt's best sort of over the top character. Now hey, that that I would agree. Was, he was fantastic. And my number five was written and directed by. Remember, I mentioned earlier top three directors. My mm-hmm. number two in that list would be Christopher Nolan. Ooh, ooh. And this is a oh, film. I know it's coming. Uh, this is a film I believe turned storytelling and filmmaking on its head. It went on to win four Oscars. It is yet a stunning and rewatchable film, and it is Inception. Absolutely. That is one of those films that made me go, what? And, yeah. and, and then you watch it again and you go, what? Okay, so back to the horror category. Mm-hmm. My number five is Poltergeist. Oh. There's a scene in Poltergeist where the guy thinks he's ripping his face off. Right. And I'm watching that in a balcony in a movie theater in New York City with a friend of mine who lived in New York City eating a milk dud. And I spit the milk dud out over the railing because I was so, what the hell just happened? And the milk dud went flying. This was the uh, the uh, the graveyard that was dug up, right? That was supposed to be dug up. The bodies were supposed to be moved and they weren't. But this was, this was ever since that movie, every time I go, I don't know why, I go by a, a, a graveyard and I go, oh, poltergeist. What would happen mm-hmm. if we just picked it up and moved it and reclaimed that for real estate? Right. Well, you can't do that because of poltergeist. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect blend of good cops and bad cops, a good story and bad guys, corruption, redemption, and an all-star freaking cast. If it helps, it's got, it won four Oscars, a 141 other nominations, bonus it was directed by Scorsese, and it is The Departed. Ooh. Underrated Scorsese film. Abso-freaking-lutely. It was one of those movies when you saw it the first time, you're like, this is Scorsese. This Look at this cast. Are you kidding me? And the second time you see it, I'm like, oh, I saw a little bit of something new. Mm-hmm. And it just, I've never gotten tired of it. And it's no. th- thriller to the bone. And Nicholson is so good. So good. I think in his top form. Yeah. That's an excellent call. Thank you. Okay. Next one on my uh, political sort of thriller is Arlington Road. Oh. With Tim Robbins and uh, Jeff Bridges. Man. It is, when you see some of the stuff that's going on now, Arlington Road had it. I think the movie's almost 20 years old at this point. Spectacular ending. And it is, without a doubt, one of the most forgotten thrillers out there. And I want everybody to go watch it now. 1999. So it's more than 22 years old. Uh, Directed by Mark Pellington, Jeff Bridges, Tim Robbins, Joan Cusack, Hope Davis. Yeah, I do. that, that, That has slipped off my radar. I'm putting that on my list this weekend. All right, here's my third, and I have a piece of sound for it. You know, we're sitting here, you and I like a couple of regular fellows. You do what you do, I do what I gotta do. You love this scene. 
And now that we've been face to face, if I'm there and I gotta put you away, I won't like it. But I'll tell you, if it's between you and some poor bastard whose wife you're gonna turn into a widow, brother, you are going down. There's a flip side to that coin. What if you do got me boxed in? Then I gotta put you down. Because no matter what, you will not get in my way. We've been face to face, yeah. But I will not hesitate. Not for a second. Maybe that's the way it'll be. Or who knows? Well, maybe we'll never see each other again. Yeah. Heat. Come on. Little known fact, Sean and I had uh, thrown around the idea of doing that scene amongst us, and we just decided we'd go with the soundtrack. But, I mean, come on. De Niro, Pacino, Kilmer. You can't get any better. Yeah, Sizemore. I mean, not only an impeccable, suspenseful story, but probably one of the all-time best soundtracks, not to mention directed by the one and only Michael Mann. Yeah, and that shootout scene is... Dude, can you... Would you agree that... Think of every film since the beginning of time. That's in the top five shootout scenes oh, ever. Yeah. Without that might be the best shootout scene. It could be. I, I mean, th- the way it's filmed, the the sound, the, the the everything about it is just perfect. And they, if I'm not mistaken, they closed down downtown LA. So that's all shot for real. And uh, the amount of ammunition waste is mind-boggling when you think about how many rounds they went through. Well, one of the greatest shootouts ever. So I apologize to your audience that I miscounted, but that, that shows you how deep I was in. But these last two could be, are really my last two, okay. my top two on right, there. No, number two then. Number two is the what's going on category kind of deal. And it's Inside Man. Oh, great movie. Yes. One of my favorites. Um, I think it's even better from a from a movie perspective. I know Spike Lee. It's always they always go back to do the right thing. I think this is his best directorial uh, picture. I one hundred percent agree. It is. I mean, I watch it and I watch it and I watch it and I I put my phone down. It's one of those those movies where the phone goes down. Even though I know the dialogue, I know what's going to happen. Uh, the phone goes down and I watch it. And dude, uh, let's let's break this down real quick second because we're both such lovers of films. What makes that movie, it's, it's a perfect movie from start to finish. It's mm-hmm. just all the right balance. In your opinion, can you, can you sum up what you think makes that perfect? Well, one, you don't, you don't know what's going on. Right. I mean, I, you do now when, right. once you watch it, but you don't know what's going on. So you put yourself in Denzel's shoes and you're like, okay, I got, I got a robbery that's not a robbery. I got a hostage situation that's not a hostage situation. And then I got a whole bunch of political pressure on me. Something's, something's not right. And then you have Washington, you know, Denzel Washington and Clive Owen 
in that lobby scene and talking and, and the whole thing. It's just Spike Lee, it's always do the right thing. But for me, it's always inside man. First. And you know what? You're absolutely right. And, and Spike uh, got, in my opinion, he got out of his own way and all of his very strongest skills came to the surface, even with those classic little moves of his, like the person on a dolly and the camera yes, goes with him. exactly. And then the horns, the way they come in, dun, 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 dun. I mean, very dramatic. But I got to give credit to uh, Russell Gerwitz. Uh, Gewertz? I don't know. I can't even pronounce it. Gerwitz. He, uh, he wrote it. And talking about just a rock solid yeah. script, there's not an ounce of, here's the thing, there's not an ounce of fluff in the entire film. You know, a lot of uh, films you'll be watching, you'll be engaged, and you're like, oh, here comes that scene. You're like, I'm just gonna go grab a drink, honey. Don't stop it. And you come back and you haven't missed anything. You can't do that with this film. No. Yeah. 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 All right. My number two stars uh, Michael Douglas and Sean Penn, directed again by one of my all time favorite directors. Yeah. Hold your thoughts. Certainly in my top three. That is, of course, David Fincher. This was a movie that literally took my breath away. It was beautifully shot, well choreographed, exceptionally surprising, had me hook, line, and sinker right up to the tail end. And even every time I watch it thereafter, and I know it's coming, I still let myself lean back into the surprise and go with it. It is the game. God. So you disagreed with me on speed. I'm going to kind of disagree with you on this one. Okay. Tell me why. Because visually... It's one of my favorite of his. Mm -hmm. The end, though, ruins it for me. I could see that, why you that say that. There are everything up to that moment. Yeah, was phenomenal. Did let me it, ask you this: Did it did it ruin you? Ruin it for you because you felt like it was a little bit too much of a bow? I thought it was too cute. Okay. They well, thought it was bow. clever. Yeah. But I thought it was too cute. Okay. And and what have you? Um, and we, but you got to admit, it's one of Fincher's happier endings. Yes. Um, yeah. On there. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. Uh, I, I will but, say this. But that's okay. One last thing about David Fincher. If I could have any movie, if I, any movie that I would write, any story that I would write today, if you could, if you'd ask me, who would be your number one director? I, David Fincher, if I could get him to direct it, I know this is where I think. Mm -hmm. It's so good that you you can literally hand your baby over and go, Mr. Fincher, take it, run with it. I'm not even going to, I trust you implicitly because the guy just knows how to visually tell a story. Yep. Yeah. That's what differentiates him. That separates him from Nolan because Nolan usually has some sort of input on the screenplay of all his stuff. Uh -huh. um, where Fincher usually just takes somebody's work and and sort of, creates this world out of it. Good, good point. Solid point. Yeah. Okay. So my number one is probably my number one thriller, uh, even though I, uh, I miscounted and what That's have right. you, mm -hmm. but, um, uh, this one is one of two movies to sweep the big Oscar categories, uh, the big four Oscar categories, actor, actress, director, film, it was, I saw it just before I went on spring break with a whole bunch of friends and I'm leaving the theater marveling at the movie and they're freaked out. So I know how good it, it was. And this is the silence of the lambs. I was waiting for this moment to happen 
Tell Listen. me this is yours. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> that's my number one too. <laughs> that's not that's not surprising. I mean, we both love that movie. We've talked about it before and whatnot. Oh, dude, that is I kept wondering if this is gonna happen. And we both choose the same number one. Yeah. And and, and you you stole my uh you didn't steal it, it was your idea, but one of the very best most evil guys and bad guys in history. But yeah, five Oscars that was best picture. Best lead actor, best lead actress, best screenplay too. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, but he was the evil guy that you were actually rooting for. That, That's what gets the movie. That's what gets you is that you're cheering for Hannibal Lecter. And dude, let's let's take a second on that because to this day, first of all, yes, Thomas Harris could never have written a better. Uh, movie, in my opinion, a book for that matter, oh, yeah. a book. It was just exceptional. But there's a guy who wrote a story that for the first time, I'm going to use that phrase, that literally took the bad guy and made you go, come on, I want to see that bad guy. win." And you're like, why am I, why am I feeling this way? This is mm -hmm. insane. Right. But, but you didn't is, want Buffalo Bill to win, but you wanted Hannibal Lecter, who was even more evil even more to evil. win. Yeah. Oh my God, dude, that is so exceptional. And you know what? To this day, um, I mean, I used I used Silence of the Lambs as the uh, impetus for, I'd love to be able to impress you and reach for it, but my book Devour, which was a, a, stand oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. a standalone that I uh, wrote to just get the idea out of my head and ended up being one of my favorites. I don't, I think I sold about 13 copies or so, but. It's uh, <laughs> um, okay, you still wrote it. That's yeah. the key. Yeah. Did you ever read it, by the way? I have not read it. Yeah. I have not read a book. I have not physically read a book in two months. I've listened to a bunch of books, but my life is has I miss reading books. And uh, but I listen to them because I commute and and what have you. It's just it's just easier. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take a slight departure here because I have been you know this this new booth here behind me I've mm -hmm. dropped quite the dime on it and uh, and it's serving me in other ways but I I've been wondering about turning Devour into an audiobook so if I did that you would then listen to I the would book? listen to it okay so I could spend uh, three and a half minutes packaging the book and mailing it to you and you probably would never read it or I could go into the booth and spend about the next three and a half weeks recording it and uh, editing it and then sending it to you and then you would listen to I it? I would listen to it. Oh, okay. I would listen to it. Let's see, three and a half weeks. Three and yeah, half well, you know, make sure you could get somebody, I'll buy the, the audio book. I will not make you, let you send it to me. Okay. And what happened? Now, our very last as we have now honorable eaten, mentions yeah eaten up into your okay. time i want to make sure i don't want to burn your day up but mm -hmm. yeah honorable mention or your runner-up i want to know you, you you've got one right it's called die hard annihilation oh for real no okay it's, it's die hard and annihilation those are my runner-ups okay uh die hard is just classic yeah. i mean yeah. that's that's that is the action movie. If you've never seen Annihilation with Natalie Portman, you have to watch it. I have not. I'm making a note to sell. Dude, there is, this, again, a scene in there uh -huh. 
with a bear that will make your skin crawl. Okay. It oh. is without a doubt one of the most underrated movies I have ever loved. You gave me two as your runners up. Mm -hmm. So that's a runner up and an honorable mention. So luckily I already pre-planned for this and I have two as well. <laughs> the first one is going to surprise you. The second one isn't. The first one is a little bit of bubble gum, but when it came out, I really, really, really loved it. And I, and I thought I could never get tired of it until I saw it 20 years later. And I realized that's not the same movie I thought it was. And I'm not sure it holds up. And that is basic instinct. Oh, I have no problem with that. I'm, well, I'm, if you look at it today, I know. But yeah, again, it, you look at it in the lens in which it was filmed. Yeah. And that day it was something else mm -hmm. and steamy and sexy and got me yeah. thinking about, and Paul Verhoeven, I mean, come on. Um, and Astro House, that's back when he wrote it and that's when he could do no wrong. Uh, and I, my other, this is the one movie that I can watch. I asked Tammy, I've seen it 30 times. I probably can quote the movie start to finish, although I don't try to do that. And it, it it's more drama and it's political thriller, but it's a go-to and, it, and it's a running joke in our house. When, when we, we have 1700 channels and we can't decide of anything, I go, honey, Go get the DVD, put in all the president's men. There you go. Excellent yeah. choice. Just a perfect film. Yeah. Flat out perfect. All right. Well, there's awesome. our top 10 and with runners up. And uh, before we go, I, I want to give you this opportunity. I do this for all my guests. It's a little bit of our rapid fire questions. This is just off the top of your head, uh, instinct only. It's just a, a way for all of us to get to know Sean O'Rourke, cyber liability expert better. And um, you ready? Shoot, All right. go for it. You have only one piece of equipment with which to work out. Everyone knows that Sean is a big, you know, a CrossFit guy. One piece of equipment, what would it be? Kettlebell. Excellent. Any reason why? Because you can do everything with uh, it? Yes, and it's much harder than a dumbbell. Much harder to do stuff with than a dumbbell. Okay, we'll talk about that off camera. Your prized possession as it pertains to a gentleman's wardrobe. You've, ever since I've known you, you've been a great dresser, a natty dresser, as they used to say. What is your number one prized oh, possession? my watches. Yeah, great watches. Mm -hmm. On a serious note, what is your biggest concern for our world today? And I'm not trying to be cheeky, but I know being a cyber specialist, you have a couple of extra built-in fears that we aren't as especially... Uh, I'm more uh, along the lines of the, uh, the, we, I think we, we don't understand the term empathy. Not that we don't have it. We don't understand it. And I think a lot of people misconstrue certain things as being empathetic and you're not, you're actually doing people a disservice, I think. So that's just my, okay. I take you and Susan, your wife are invited over to dinner with Tammy and me, and you can bring two people with you living or dead. Who would they be? Oh, jeez! <laughs> first, first two people that pop into your head, generally uh, living or dead, uh, that you just like to hang out over dinner with uh, along with uh, Albert yeah. Einstein and Muhammad Ali. Both exceptional. Any one sentence reasons why? Outside of the uh, Ali was one of my favorite 
athletes, personalities. And then as you get to learn his story, his documentary, Ken Burns just did his documentary. As you learned his story, the respect that you gain for somebody who's willing to give up what he gave up for his beliefs, kudos. And then Einstein, just yeah. because he was Einstein. Yeah, hi. I mean, yeah, <laughs> smartest, one of the smartest people to ever walk the planet. I was gonna say, and you'd know that he'd be the smartest guy in the room. Okay. If tomorrow you became independently wealthy and could live anywhere in the world and do anything your heart desires, where would it be and what would you do? Uh, I would live on a mountain somewhere. Um, and I would do what I'm doing with my life now. You know, I'm a CrossFit coach. I help businesses sort of stay secure. Uh, I might actually write that book. I've been threatening to write for however long I've known you. Um, but yeah, I've, I have a, I have a pretty good, I'm engaged. That's the thing is that my dad retired from banking and then got busier. And that's what I would be. Uh, I would be retired and be busier than I am now because there's so much to do. You know, do you realize how healthy and encouraging that is? That is such a great attitude on life, and it's such a personification of who you are, right? Going to stay in shape and going to help other people. That's yeah. I mean, you know, if you're if you're wealthy, you're you're not going to take it with you. <laughs> Sorry, right. yeah. that Amex card stays here yeah. <laughs> when you when you pass. So nice. Uh, yeah. Last question, and Shoot. this is revolving around what we just spent our time talking about, top 10 thriller films. If you could direct, because I know secretly, uh, even as a screenwriter, you kind of want to secretly direct. You could direct, you get to direct a thriller film. Who would you choose as your star? Oh, Had to I end guess, with a tough one. Oh, my God. I guess it would depend on... The thriller, crap, who would I choose? Well, it's going to be probably something Batman oriented, I'm sure, being the Batman. No, no, oh, no, no, oh. no, 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 no. Because oh, okay. you noticed there were no comic book I movies did, on my, I, I I did my, notice that. Um, you know what? I'm going to choose it just because um, I'm dying to see his take on Macbeth. I'm going to choose Denzel Washington. I mean, there's nice. nothing that he's ever been in. In fact, one of his, I mean, I think a half dozen of his movies were on my list. Um, and there's one that always sticks in my head. He and John Goodman in a movie called Fallen. And um, he's just not bad in anything. So I could, you know, how easy is that to direct when you know he's going to be good no matter what you give him? Well, and I was going to say, you want to, you, you want to, get a guy of that caliber and say sure this is why we hired you do what you do yeah he and francis mcdormand in macbeth directed by joel joel cone it's either i think it's joel cone who did it not ethan cone i cannot wait to see that yeah I, i'm with I mean, you there and that's you, one of my favorite shakespeare plays and if i may i'm going back 1998 fall and homicide detective john hobbs witnesses the execution of serial killer edgar reese Soon after the execution, the killings start again, and they're very similar to Reese's style. Do you know what I can, I think, I don't think I've ever seen this movie. i tell you what. Nicholas Kazan, what? It's not, it's not even close to what that description is. Denzel, John Goodman, Donald Sutherland, directed by Gregory Hoblet, never even heard of him. 
Well, dude, I'm gonna. I've got three movies now on my yeah. list, thanks to you. There's, yeah. there's, there's. It's such a good movie, and the premise of it, it sounds straight ahead. There's a twist. Okay. And the twist that the, the way it plays out again. Denzel has never been bad in anything, and you believe it. You follow yeah. that twist. Would do me a favor when you send me all these lists of your movies. Would you make sure you I remember those four at the sure. bottom because I'm gonna. All right. This. All right. Been, so it's it's frailty. Frailty. Fallen. Fallen. Uh, what were the other two? Annihilation. Donna. Annihilation. And then the uh, the fourth one was uh, was it Arlington Road. Is that no, the one? I've seen, I've seen You've that. seen that? We'll, we'll stick with those three. Okay. Because I know you got to get back to work. No, I don't. I don't want to get back to work. Okay. You know, who wants to get back to work? I'm having fun talking to you. I don't get to talk to you very often. So. And, and by the way, uh, when I told Tammy that you were going to be on the show, she said, you know, um, honey, I think you do a great job. I love your show. I think Thriller Zone is doing better than anything you've done in a while. You are definitely doing your passion. But if you ever want to get a permanent or even semi-permanent sidekick, it should be Sean. Oh, thanks, Tammy. I mean, for real. She said, if you think there's a day that you don't quite have your shit together or you want to branch out and turn it into a twofer uh, hosting thing, it's got to be Sean. Isn't that nice? Uh, I would love to do that. Listen, uh, for people who want to get in touch with you and learn more about you, your specialty, maybe even compare notes with you as to favorite films, because I'm going to bring this feature back occasionally, probably as a bonus show during the week, because everybody loves to talk about their favorite movies. How would they get in touch with you? Uh, Well, I'll send you my LinkedIn information and my email address and you okay. can just put it in the uh the episode notes that's the easiest way to get in touch sean o'rourke you are a man among men david temple I... you are my favorite podcast host mm-hmm. and i don't say that because you're also my friend but you are because i always have fun talking to you <laughs> awesome thank you for your time hey my pleasure great episode sorry i miscounted and uh Maybe next time I'll be able to actually count properly. It's all good. (laughs) Thanks, Sean, for such a great time. As always, it's good to see you. And folks, like Sean said, be smart with passwords by making them complicated and changing them often. You never know who's watching. Now, here's an exciting announcement about next week's Thriller Zone. I'm happy to say David McCloskey, former CIA agent, and author of Damascus Station will be our special guest. David has an impressive past, a solid thriller on his hands, and I think an exceptional future ahead as a thriller author. Read the book and see if you agree. And folks, trust me, you're going to be hearing about David McCloskey for a good long time. And he'll be here next week. So make plans to catch us next week on The Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.